and welcome to another round review on the Dr. Supercoach podcast. I'm joined this week again by Pistol. How are you, buddy? Yeah, I'm not too bad. Thanks for having me, Jordan. Sorry for the sound quality. I'm in Sydney again, folks. All I hear is excuses. How was your week, buddy? <laughs> it could have been better. Um, it was a terrible Supercoach week for most of us, including myself. Um, I managed to score under 2,000 this week for the first time this season and have subsequently fallen out of the top 1k but only just to uh, 1300 how about you under 2000 jeez um i put up 2113 and climbed up to 533 um jumping a good 921 ranks with just the 2100 score so that does show how bad the week was for everyone um and we'll jump straight into the games we'll try and make this as quick as possible because we have so much to speak about um the first cab off the rank is gws versus western bulldogs did you catch this one pistol no i managed to miss it as i was flying to sydney but it looks like it was a ripper and of course in the close game big men are going to step up and the bunt is just that and he scored 141 points he's just insane in in these tight contests he does everything that champion data love and People do say quite often that he's their love child, but he just does all the little things in the big games and in the big moments. So um, his scoring just goes through the roof. Uh, he's just one of those players that I don't know if we'll ever be able to get our hands on pistol. Well, everyone complains about how many points he gets, but it's simple. If you don't have him, just get him, and then you can join the, the happy supporters rather than <laughs> the sour ones. He's, he's 600K, so it's not an unreasonable price. Um, it will head north very quickly so if you can manage to get him in the next couple of weeks then definitely do so yeah he should definitely be your number one target especially well, considering buys of course but um he's just going to have such a sensational year and his worst scores in the 90s and that was a shocker of a game from him so um just look in the good spawns and early so um also in that bulldogs outfit mccray was consistent as always putting up another ton um dowhouse fell just short of it which is quite strange considering he was touted as one of the better captain options this week considering his form pistol yeah he he also had quite a few touches so just a low um super coach score compared to his his touches is usually good on that efficiency side um expecting to bounce back it was it's a tough game it was obviously two of the better sides going at it so yeah i expect pretty much all the primos from this game to carry on uh, scoring well for, from next week onwards. Yeah, speaking of bounce back, Heath Shaw put up a rare ton from what we've seen thus far in the season. And speaking of big bounce, bounce backs, I don't know if what he's bouncing back to because he didn't really have form in the first place, but it was good to see Toronto score in the high 80s pistol. Yeah, an 86 to just kickstart his cash generation because most people... We're thinking of trading him out or had actually traded him out that week so for those that kept him well played because you're going to make quite a bit more cash from him so <laughs> not, yeah, nice work not great that he's kick-starting his cash generation for round seven is it oh. <laughs> better late than never <laughs> yeah there's no doubt um we'll move on to the hawthorne st kilda match next and topping the scoring well second topping the scoring all right well topping the relevant scoring uh for hawthorne was tom mitchell he keeps on scoring well and the best thing for Mitchell owners is they're not winning games either. Yeah, look, he's just going to be a super consistent player. He's averaging 34 touches a game. And there was a funny stat at halftime. He only averages just under 10 metres gained per possession. So he doesn't move the ball uh, very far. You know, a lot of handballs. If he kicks it, he kicks it sideways. 
Um, so he doesn't do things that score massive super coach points, but he does just enough to hover around that 110 mark. Um, he's just been peppering it all season, so not really putting in stinkers and not putting in like thrilling high scores either, but a very consistent, nice option. Which is what you need when players like Fife and Dangerfield especially score in the 60s every fourth week now, apparently. Um, and speaking of consistency, um, Jared Ruffhead been consistently average all year, Pistol. You've got him still in your squad. Um, immediate thoughts of him. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about him a little bit more later. Oh, there's a lot of anger. <laughs> Holding him and hoping he comes good. I'm not sure. I think um, I got sucked in by Hawthorne. Just, are you, you expect good teams to bounce back. And after their win, I thought they'd be back. But they've proven me wrong. And yeah, it's going to be a tough year for Hawthorne and for Ruffhead and for owners of Ruffhead and Supercoach. Yes, as with the owners of Jager Amira, those who stuck fat with him for the fortnight he missed, were rewarded with a 39. So... Uh, just shocking from John, and we'll speak about him in length later on in the podcast. Um, in the, on the bright side, though, Dylan Robertson, a man that you recommended highly last week, just went massive. Yeah, I think that's a bit of um, fortune as well. Happened to be my punt from last week. Happy to see it um, pull off. I'm sure uh, there'll be many misses to come now. But yeah, he's won a massive 149, and he's got a break even of 50 now, so he's going to go up even more. He's at 535k, and he's averaging 110, so been really good this season, and he played unbelievably well. So I expect him to still maybe not average 110, but maybe pepper around that 100 mark, and I think he's going to be a top six defender this year. And if you also think he's going to be a top six defender out there, then there's almost no better week to get him in with that lowish break even, so... There won't be too many better opportunities if you do believe he'll keep up his scoring average. Um, and then Mr. Consistent Nick Rewalt put out another ton, even though he was well under the weather. And it was good to see Jack Steele put out a good 116 for those who have still got him. Um, and then moving on to the next game, which was um, unpredictable in many senses. Um, uh, what, what can you say about the actual outcome of this Sydney versus Carlton match, Pistol? I think it's best summarised with the words, oh dear. I don't think anyone <laughs> predicted that Sydney would actually be this bad. I think everyone thought they're going to get a nice five wins on the board, the easy run, and they'd just be able to scoot along. All their assets would just suddenly increase in their scoring, which I personally did predict, as I did recommend getting Buddy in, so that was a big miss for, for this week. And then they got trounced by Carlton. So it's they're wildly unpredictable, the Swans, and... It's going to be an interesting game against Brisbane at the SCG. I mean, surely not, right? I mean, we say that every week, though. Oh, man. I mean, those who traded in Buddy at least have this week to look forward to. Hopefully, they redeem themselves against a Brisbane outfit that hasn't been very competitive against any team, really, thus far. Um, going through their list just quickly, Hanabry was able to crack the ton, which is great for owners. Uh, Heaney put up a decent score and we'll highlight him later on. He might be one to watch over the next few weeks. Um, Lloyd was good scoring a ton as well with Josh Kennedy and Franklin falling just short. Newman early on had about 30 points after the first quarter and then was only able to double that score. And Melikin, we'll speak a little bit about him, but how do you find his job security straight off the bat there, Pistol? Well, it depends really on how badly Swans are going to go. I mean, if they're going to keep losing games, we'll see how they go against Brisbane. 
they're going to play kids. They're going to have to start rebuilding, and you know that they'll start playing these these youngsters. But in the immediate future, I think Alir Alir probably comes back, and it could be Malikan making way. Yeah, no, I tend to agree. Um, and the Carlton outfit that was able to trounce them in the end, Doherty and Simo, um, just back to their best. I mean, Doherty hasn't really had a down year thus far, but Simo was definitely down on his previous year's form. Um, we'll speak in depth about them as well later on. And it was good for non-Mark Murphy owners to see that he had a bit of a down week again this week. Those who do own him, you just have to stick fat with him at the moment. Hopefully, he bounces back. Strange to see him do that in a uh, in a win, to be honest, Pistol. Yeah, I, his chances of becoming a, a top eighth midfielder are quickly uh, diminishing. Um, he's now, I'd say, down to 117 average, but his last two scores um, being an 88 and a 47 isn't really what you are hoping for when trying to trade him in. Um, we'll need to see if he's going to bounce back in the next couple of weeks or if he continues this um, you know, low score um, and we'll see if he's going to end up being a top 10, even top 15 midfielder. Yeah, fingers crossed for those that own him that he is able to bounce back this week. And lastly, the ever-so-consistent Caleb Marchbank also putting off just shy of a 70 again this week. Um, looking to just be a solid rock in our defense without crushing that break even too often. Um, heading into probably the most boring game of the round if you're not a Port supporter, and that was Port Adelaide versus Brisbane. They were absolutely pants the Brisbane Lions, and um, some Port players that you wouldn't really think would get the higher scores in this one. Um, Wingard playing predominantly in the midfield. And when I say predominantly, I mean, he was he spent something like 80% time in midfield this week. Yeah, he's definitely could be a forward option um, if he's going to get more of that midfield time. But it's seemingly hard to predict uh, who's going to play where in that Port Adelaide outfit. I think uh, maybe you'd be able to shed some more light, but it might just be situational based on opponent, in which case... It's hard to bank on him um, going to be consistently playing midfield and consistently scoring well this year. Yeah, I think we um, we really found out that we can't have Robbie Gray and Chad Wingard within 30 metres of each other. It's It sounds weird, but they're both so good at their craft in the forward line or midfield that when one's doing well in one position, we play the other in the other position. So um, as simple as it seems, um, it might be a little bit more complicated than that, but... Um, if Robbie Gray's kicking goals, I can see Wingo playing a lot of midfield time, which could bode well for those who want to pick him up after his round nine bye. Um, Pow Pepper bounced back very nicely with a 90, um, well, mid-90 score. That shoots his break-even all the way back down to zero, which is good for those who have held on to him. And then looking into the Brisbane lineup, it was pretty much all sad faces from those who have Steph Martin, Dane Beams, Tom Rockliffe, and even Dane Zorko. Yeah, even the consistent players like Zorko managed to only score a 68. Um, Wow, that is quite miserable, especially um, Jared Berry, who lost money after his first price raise, managed to score 62, which was more than Tom Rockliffe this week. So just an absolutely crazy week. You can't expect um, Brisbane to their players to perform like this every week. I think this this is probably a once-off. Um, they do get to play 
bottom of the ladder in Swans this week. So uh, <laughs> look for the players to bounce back, I think. I'm, I'm not really sure how I'm feeling about that matchup. At this bit point, of a so. confidence booster for the Brisbane outfit by the looks of it. Um, <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> moving on to the next game that can only be described with one player that just really turned back the clock, put in an amazing performance and those who risked it by starting the year with him, and I'm talking about the North Melbourne Gold Coast game here, were just paid back dividends and it's Sean Higgins! Yes! (laughs) The 120 score, he was the best on ground by far. Oh wait, no, no, Gary Ablett scored well as well, didn't he? Yes, guys, I knew where this was going and I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to cut you off before... Before I'm going to ruin this joke. Sorry about that. That's harsh. Gaz, Gaz came out firing at 210. Everyone that says he's passed it, well, look at him now. 210 points in what a week for those that held him. They got rewarded big time, especially those that put the VC or C on him. Just massive weeks, really. It would save your week. Um, unfortunately, those that don't have him, he's probably, he's got a break even the 43. He's probably going to become close to unobtainable around his bite as well so he's probably going to be ruled out of becoming an option unless you jump on him this week we'll talk about that later I think but probably not one for me um, in other news Tom Lynch uh, for Gold Coast scored 87 so not too bad on his behalf and the rookies on the Gold Coast side uh, with Jack Bowes scoring 55 which is decent enough and Matera who a lot of people traded in, only managed to score 59. So he ends up not making as much money as everyone expected with a break-even of 129 <laughs> this week and only rising 66K. I did spot him in the top 10 traded-out players this week, so it's insane how quickly it can turn. And there was a little page on Facebook called uh, Dr. Supercoach who was saying, maybe don't go near Matera. So... Um, those that had got him in probably have a lesson learned so far. So, um, also with the rookies, Ed Vickers Willis put in another decent performance. He should retain his spot going into next week. And then on the ruck side of the thing, Wits was decent in the first quarter and then disappeared for the rest of the game. And Goldstein, um, only score in the 70s. So strange, just reading his form, it's so up and down. He's actually not even in the top 10 uh, Ruckman for total scored, even though well he's missed a game, so um, it does explain a little bit. But crazy how far he's fallen from grace. Yeah, I'm not sure I'd touch Goldstein at this stage. Um, it's scary thinking that he's not going to be in the top two, let alone top five Ruckman this year after just being a dominant force for from past years. Um, look, playing as a lone Ruck and scoring 77, it's not really good enough. He he's still got you know 30 hitouts. Um, and, and 16 touches so it wasn't like he was not getting around the ball he's just not doing things that are scoring well in super coaches here yeah it's quite crazy to see him scoring so poorly considering the force that he was scoring um, a double ton just two years ago now so um, just insane really and speaking of double tons, Yo got three quarters of the way there in his game versus Fremantle. Um, and Josh Kennedy was right behind him with a big score as well, going over the 140 mark. These two players in our forward lines, do they look like that that saviour for that um, dodgy buy that we will have to face with our forward lines? Well, maybe not saviour, but I think they're both going to be top options come the end of the year. Uh, as much as it I mean, Elliot Yeo's playing amazing footy. He's going to be inconsistent, especially if they start losing and gets thrown around. But 
at this stage, looking at the buy structure, I think most people are going to have to get at least one of Yo Kennedy or Sean Higgins just to squeeze a round 12 buy player in there. Oh, uh, Sean Higgins. You just can't talk enough about him. (laughs) (laughs) And on to the Fremantle side of things. It was Sandy and Balak doing well for all their owners. And then Nat Fife just 15 points behind Balak, which is quite insane, having a very, very down game for for the previous Brownlow winner. So um, quite extraordinary there from Fife. Um, and then on to the next game was Essendon versus Melbourne. And another, or what I call an upset, I tipped Essendon in this one. Um, just tips have gone to poo already this year for um, a lot of people. But not a lot of notable performances in this one. Crazy to see Clayton Oliver keep on doing what he's been doing, Pistol. Yeah, I'm expecting him to slow down, but he's just proving us wrong. He's just going to keep pumping out those tons. Um, still, I don't know if he's going to be a top eight midfielder, but he's looking like more and more of a top 15 midfielder pushing in on the, the top 10 mark. So, yeah, I don't know how much longer you can keep an eye on him rather than just take the punt. But if you're in a good position in overall rankings, I don't think I'd grab him. But if you're trying to play catch-up, he might be a cheap, quick way to try and make some quick points. Yeah, it's crazy to think that he's only in his second year, isn't it? Um, and then onto the Essendon side of things, it wasn't great with Merritt scoring below a ton, which is very rare for him. Um, those who took the punt on Joe Watson to start the season have just been getting gradually more frustrated as the year goes along. And McNeese put in his second performance with a lowly score, but high enough for us to consider getting him in considering his basement price. Um that's pretty much all for that game. It was strange to see Jay Kennedy Harris actually on the bottom of the Melbourne score table. So um, we'll talk a bit about him later. And then on to the Geelong Collingwood game. Would you like to take us through this one, Pistol? <laughs> Would I ever? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Scott Pendlebury uh, led all scorers with 149, and he was a beast. Will Hoskin Elliott scored 125, so he actually played more off the halfback playing kind of a loose role or, or just a spare man or um, using his good foot skills out of the back line and then running forward um, definitely starting behind the ball and it's just been a fantastic role change for him he played that role in the last quarter in the Essendon game and immediately scored 30 points in that quarter and then played that the whole match against Geelong and scored 125 so if he plays that role which I think he's probably going to now um, you can expect him to keep scoring pretty well um, but if he gets thrown forward, obviously there's a risk. But his, his restart, his cash generation now, his break even's only 30. So if you manage to hold him this whole time, you know, well done. His 350 gain is going to keep rising. Taylor Adams continues to make all his owners happy. He's only 546k, scored 120, and is averaging 110 as a defender, which is unbelievable. Am I going to go through every single Collingwood player because everyone did well, or should I just uh, skip straight to Trelaw? Yeah. I think that's the only one that's upsetting everybody. Big time. <laughs> um, Trelaw only scored a 71. So he's now averaging less than 100, which is not what you want when you pay top dollar for him, especially at the start of the year. Still think you got to stick fat here and hold, um, but it's becoming hard to watch, uh, especially if you own him. That's going to be frustrating. Maybe you can get rid of him during the buyers if you have a spare trade, but I'd definitely be at least holding him to the buyers and not jumping off yet. Um, on the Geelong side, it was 
just pretty much misery everywhere. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Dangerfield managed to score 65, which is low. Um, there's no other way around it. And Selwood didn't fare much better either. So you've got those two players combining for basically nothing and you know rookie scores, and they're both going to drop heaps in price. Um, Dangerfield's going to fall next week under the 600 mark, which is insane. Which is absolutely insane. And on the rookie side of things, Parfit badly hurt his hamstring. It could, they called the stretcher to try and get him off. Managed to, to, to limp off, but he's definitely going to be out for weeks and weeks. So maybe we'll see a return of Parsons, but otherwise um, Aaron Black might uh, retain his spot in that forward line instead, and he is a cheap 137k option. Yeah, um, no doubt. And those, um, there are a lot of people definitely looking hard at him this week for a forward downgrade. And interesting to note, Zach Tui put in another good performance for all those who took the punt on him in the preseason. Then moving on to one of the last games, of, oh, the last game of the round. Um, that's how one of the last games it was. It was the last. Um, and that was Crows just destroying Richmond um, and Sloan just destroying Richmond. So um, Sloan top scores again. Laird puts in another consistent Laird performance. And there wasn't a whole lot else to talk about in this match. It was um, interesting to see Hampton score so low and Otten to go um, go back into his shell when once Jenkins had returned. Um, and then on the Richmond side of things, it was just um, pretty much Rant and Cochin who stood up for them, with Dusty not scoring a ton again. And lastly, um, it's interesting to note that Nankivis did receive a one-match ban for his elbow. Um, some were saying three matches early on. Did you happen to catch it, Pistol? I did. It didn't look very great for Nank, so I'm grateful he only gets one week, but Unfortunately, he also scored 68, coach, <laughs> even though he got quite a bit of the ball. His dream team was was up there, but yeah, his super coach um, was way lower than any other performance uh, he's had this year. So that's unfortunate. I think it's bound to happen when you first the best side in the competition. You're going to have a down game. So hopefully he bounces back once he is back. Yeah, no doubt. And we'll talk way more about him later on and what to do with him potentially if you have him in the right. But for now, we're going to jump into the rookie rundown and we'll start with the players that you could be trading in pistol. So we've had a bit of a look at the best options and topping the chart just has to be Ed Vickers Willis should he hold his spot this week. Yeah, Vickers Willis, um, I quite like. He's a pretty good user of the ball. I mean, his scoring potential is not unbelievable but um, we did hear today that Mullet is out for at least a week with a um, hand injury I think he's broken his hand or broken a finger I think it's fractured something about that it's fractured so that at least gives him a bit of breathing room Um, yeah his job security just is a tiny bit better than I think other rookies at this stage and he does give us a back option to downgrade one of those hands and not one too so just yeah relatively solid option all around yeah, no doubt, and um, he's definitely one that I'm considering trading in this week if um, I do choose to move on one of the other Crows boys who aren't scoring as well as I'd hoped. And then on to Parsons. Should he get recalled this coming week, he's a forward option with a negative 59 break-even. So um, if he comes straight back into the team, it does show a lot um, about his job security. Um, would you be considering Parsons? Do we have that many forward options to even downgrade at this point, Pistol? 
Yeah, I think there's quite a few forward options, especially if you do have Parfit. I mean, the Parfit to a Parsons, if he comes in for Parfit, is just great. So, that was a lot of P's in a row. But, yeah, it, we'll wait and see. The team news probably will shed some more light. But certainly, if you're playing around with trades, you could maybe flick him in your team for now and see what happens. So those are the main two rookies um, that we should be looking at this week. I'm going to flick through um, the next four um, and our last four options that have very speculative job security. So we'll start with McNeese with negative 49 break-even, defender only. Aaron Black with negative 68 break-even, forward only. Melican for Sydney, who he's touched on earlier with negative 49. And believe it or not, but Jay Kennedy-Harris with a negative one break-even, um, do you want to just give a little bit of info on those players and just how likely some of them are to keep their spots? I think we spoke about Melikan before with um, Aliyah, Aliyah bound to return, so not sure how much longer he will get a gig unless Swans probably, if they do lose to Brisbane and they start playing youth, he might get more of a run. Um, on, <laughs> on the Aaron Black side, again, it's hard to tell. Um, we'll see what happens this week. If Parsons comes in, they did lose, so I'm sure they're going to chop some people. If he manages to stay in, he's going to be on a week, week-to-week basis whether he's in the team. So job security is um, pretty flawed. McNeese looks okay. He's only 102k. You might get a couple more games um, for Essendon, but his scoring potential is very limited. You might end up with a Tom Stewart situation, um, although Tom Stewart's doing well at the moment. <laughs> he, he might kind of stall at about the 200k mark, which is not a bad 100k um, investment, but it's certainly a, a riskier option and sorry what was the last rookie Jay Kennedy Harris from Melbourne <laughs> that was the reason I forgot about Jay Kennedy Harris <laughs> I think everyone else should forget about him too he's uh, probably not an option for this year no I definitely agree but it was interesting to note that he does have a negative break even I'd definitely stay away from him especially considering his price point um, in hindsight I'd recommend staying away from him last year considering 115k price point so um, he, he burned a lot of people and then looking at the trading out and we've just had a quick squeeze at the top 10 traded out players for the week and a lot of them are speculative rookies that haven't quite hit their price peak but you can see why they could potentially be trading out, traded out so Hampton um, to start with has a 31 break even Um you could justify trading him out as he's only really had two good scores. One of them was an 84 and the other one was that lone ton that he scored. Um, how tempted are you to trade out Hampton for, especially for someone like Ed Vickers-Willis? Pretty tempted, I think. It depends on what other rookies you have. If you have a Parfit um, or someone, obviously you trade, trade them out first just because Hampton probably will rise um, another you know 10 or so k this week but if you're trying to trade in a defender who might have a low break even just consider that they may uh, increase in price more than Hampton does um, if you wait one more week so sometimes it might be a bit better to cull a tiny bit early if you're desperately trying to grab that premium plus you get more points for getting in the premium earlier yeah and I think the same applies to Otten now with Jenkins back in the squad and him only putting up a um, late 50s score this week um it just seems with the break-even of 55 that he might not have much more money to make at all. It could be could be time to take him down or even take him up to a premium defender. Um, and then obviously Parfit is the uh, is the quite obvious trade-out option. And then along the list, you see uh, Butzler and Marchbank. 
two of which I would assume you'd want to just plop on your bench for um, a little bit longer considering their scoring hasn't actually been that bad. Yeah, they both have been around the 70 mark, so when they break even, you get close to the 70, probably then consider to trade them out. Um, Marchbank has a 49 break even, but he hasn't scored below that at any stage of the season. He's, he's quite consistent um, hovering around that 70 mark, so maybe a few more weeks for Marchbank, unless you're obviously trying to upgrade him this week to maybe someone like a Doherty or a Simpson. Um, or you know a Robertson or some other primo defender on the Butler side he's 47 he's pretty much scored above that every week so he's going to make a bit more money I'll probably trade up other people before him it is interesting that Parfit won't change price so you can use him as a loophole option this week if you don't have one or if you're trying to loophole um, some other players just think about that as well uh, maybe hold off on a trade to see if you can loophole or, or not um, might benefit you just to wait instead of making your trade before um, the weekend starts. Or maybe if you want to trade in an Edvik as well as and can't get Parfit to your back line, um, you can use him for the loophole this week, trade Edvik as well as in um, through the defense and upgrade somewhere else in your team that you'd want to do. And then obviously you've still got the option to trade Parfit the week after. So um, Parfit isn't a desperate need to trade, but he's the obvious one considering he's uh, not going to score any points for you or make any more cash for a few weeks to come. Um, and then we'll now we'll jump into some um, MRP news. Uh, to start with, we'll look at Nank. So he's missing a weak pistol. And to give you a quick scenario, if I moved Nank up into my ruck line um, to cover for the Max Gorn injury in which I traded a forward in at that time, it's getting confusing, but... Um, pretty much, if I had Nank in my rucks and I needed to um, and had no cover, would you trade him out even though it's just one week to avoid a donut? Yeah, I definitely would trade to stop a donut. I think you know a donut's probably worth a hundred points, so that's a lot to lose in any given week. Um, I probably wouldn't trade Nank himself, but I would try and swing him into the forward line and try and trade a rookie or a mid pricer in your forward line like a roughhead or a parfait if you do have him to try and trade them to a ruckman um, to stop getting that uh, donut um, for those that don't know how to do that you just click the trade symbol on um, one of the rookies whoever you want out um, just say if it's a parfait and then when you look at the side of your screen there's a little s next to that curvis if he's in your ruck line click that little s and then all of a sudden you're trading a rookie to a ruckman a forward rookie to a ruckman um, and that's how you get around that even if they don't have dpp themselves so you could trade a roughhead to someone like stefan martin and if you do have the cash for that that would probably be the trade that i would do even though stefan martin does have a break even of 152 he's probably only going to drop in the next two weeks maybe 40k or so in which case it's not really worth you know wasting a trade to trade to someone else and then to stefan martin um, if you're going to save a donut, he's probably the number one ruck at the moment, averaging 109. I know Mumford is averaging more, but somehow, don't know why, feels a little bit safer um, getting big Steph. Yeah, Steph's only had the one down game as well, and we all know how Mumford's injury history uh, treats, has treated him in the past. Um, so that covers Nankovis. What if you are an unfortunate owner of Tobias Green? Well, if you... Owen Green, it's a two-week uh, suspension. I'd still hold, if you have, let's say, Balak is cover, that's probably it's a bad situation to be in, but it's not the worst worst thing in the world to have a rookie score for two weeks. He's been very good this year, so 
Um, I would definitely hold him. If you have Green and Nank, you're probably in a little bit of strife. If you manage to cover them both, um, well done. If you need to make it, you probably will need to make a trade to get at least um, a Ruckman in. But if you're looking at copping two donuts, um, would you trade Green, JB? Oh, it's so it's so difficult because Green is one of those rare players that's looking. Um, looking to be one of the top six forwards if he keeps scoring so well. And he has that um, that very, very good buy um, that most of our uh, forwards are out for. So it's difficult to say because you'd, he's one that you'd want to trade back in. But um, to avoid a donut, it just seems like a no-brainer, especially if you're only aiming for ranking. Um, if I was in a league, I'd probably just cop the two bad scores for a fortnight and just hope that you don't uh, get damaged too harshly on your ladder um, and save the trade but going for ranking you almost have no choice yeah look if you think about there's not I mean there's quite a few weeks left um, 16 16 weeks but if there's a player that's going to get a zero and you you should get a hundred the person that you trade in needs to average um, if sorry if you didn't trade them out that player that you've traded in for to make it a win has to average anything less than seven points around seven points per game than the person you kept so if you can trade in anyone uh, toby green to anyone within seven points per game of him um, then you at least are probably going to make back points throughout the season uh, instead of copying that zero um a little bit of uh, maths to work out how that works but uh, you can take my word for it or just try not to cop, cop a donut because they, they do suck. Um, and if you are in that situation, then uh, that's unfortunate to have two suspensions in the same line. Yeah, no doubt. I think we're a bit lucky to not have Fife um, and even Buddy missing as well this week, which would have been um, just outrageous. It would have been an absolute catastrophe. So um, we should all definitely thank the Supercoach Gods for avoiding that one. Um, and now we're just going to quickly sweep around the grounds pistol. Um, there were some interesting... Uh, interesting stat lines in the Magoos this week. So um, we'll start off with the Myers, who um, is eligible to play next round, I believe. Um, he had 27 disposals, four marks, nine tackles. Um, he did hit the scoreboard, but missed the big sticks twice with two behinds. Um, if he comes back in, is he a player that you'd consider trading in before he's even hit the turf? I don't think I'd trade in any player before they hit the turf, especially with Myers' injury history. Um, maybe I would trade him after one round if he pops in a good score, but, you know, it's always safer just waiting until they're on the bubble. Um, I think that's what I would do for David Myers, but I can't wait for him to get um, out for that essence well, just because we would really like a midfield um, cash cow rookie, so especially a good one. So hopefully he comes back, and with those last two VFL performances by Myers, I can't see why he wouldn't be in the team this week. Yeah, I 100% agree, and we are desperate for that midfield rookie because we've got someone like Barrett sitting on our bench, um, and his game went like this. 14 disposals, 4 marks, 2 tackles, which all looks very, very negative for his chances of coming back. He managed to salvage his stat line with 3 goals and a behind, so it didn't turn out too bad for him, but um, it doesn't look like his return will be in the next week, Pistol. Oh, I could see him possibly coming back. I mean, don't forget, Brisbane did get absolutely thumped. So Who they're going to make some changes <laughs> by Port Adelaide. Oh, if, nice. they, if they do make some changes, then I think um, 
Barrett could be one to return. He has had strong um, needful form before this. So hopefully he comes back sooner rather than later. I should say uh, big Braden Pruce had 49 hitouts, 12 touches, 5 clearances and a goal. Um, I think he's bound to come back. They just are trying to desperately figure out a way where Goldie and Pruce can play together and not you know, uh, be a negative impact on each other. But look, with that, that stat line, I mean, he's... He's obviously um, becoming much better than anticipated so quickly, so they're going to just have to chuck him in the AFL. I mean, he's unbelievable at the moment. Yeah, and it is another um, it is another dagger to Goldie owners' hearts, that's for sure. Sticking with North Melbourne, Hibbard was very good in the seconds as well as Bruce. He was able he was able to get twenty eight disposals, eight marks, and even a goal. So. Um, it's going to be very interesting at the selection table this week with Ed Vickers-Willis playing a decent game in the um, senior squad, but Hibbert definitely knocking on that door. Is there room for both in the same squad pistol? I think with Mullet out this week, it could be Hibbert that gets the recall. I feel like this is a supercoach season that we just get trolled and after one game, they end up keeping Hibbert in the squad and, and um, Vickers-Willis goes back to the VFL and then Everyone who started with Hibbert, who now has traded in Vickers Willis, just gets continually stuck with this North Melbourne zero in their backline. <laughs> yeah, oh, I couldn't think of a worse hell, to be honest. Um, and then lastly is Brett Eddy for the Port Adelaide second team. Was able to gather 22 disposals, 13 of those marks, um, five goals and one behind. The unfortunate thing about this news is he's doing this almost every week and not getting recalled due to Port's form. So... Um, I still think he's a chance to come back in soon when we need to play tall against the team. I'm just not exactly sure when that will be. So um, for those who are still holding on to Eddie with the hopes that he's coming back soon, might not be this week, might not be next week, but he will be back in this first squad, I guarantee it. So um, beyond that, we are going to quickly flick over to the Cancer Council. Is there any new donators? Pistol was Jack able to avoid the donation this week? Unfortunately, uh, Zach Jones did score above 90, so he scored 93, in which case uh, the Zach Jones hacks will continue this week. And, yeah, that might not stop there with a couple of suspensions uh, heading Jack's way this week. He may be in for some uh, Donate for Donuts, which, oh, no. again, is pledge a certain amount, and if you get a donut, then you donate that certain amount. So the donuts are coming thick and fast for people this early in the season, which is a bad sign for super coaches, but a good sign for the council council. Yeah, no doubt. And poor Jacko, he's... um, I say poor Jacko, but good on you, Jacko, because he's, he's sticking to his words. So um, it is good to see him pledge so much so far, but it's kind of by force, which then means poor Jacko. So... Um, hopefully, hopefully Zach Jones does calm down soon. Maybe gives him a week off of that tax here and there. Um, and that'll pretty much sign us off, Pistol. Thanks so much for joining me, mate. No worries. Thanks for having me. Um, and you can find us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Link will be in the description of the Facebook post. Um, make sure you leave a comment on any platform uh, so we can have a read. Maybe critique Pistol's um, audio quality this week for being in Sydney. And leave a rating on iTunes for us to have a look at as well. Thank you, Pistol. Have a good week, mate. Thank you, and see you next week. Catch you.